Today we will be looking at the final words of the prayer which our Lord taught us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And in connection with that, we will be reading together from John chapter 3, the verses 25 to 36. John chapter 3, the verses 25 to 36. Then there arose a dispute between some of John's disciples and the Jews about purification. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you beyond the Jordan, to whom you have testified, behold, he is baptizing, and all are coming to him. John answered and said, A man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. And he who has the bride is the bridegroom. But the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is fulfilled. He must increase, but I must decrease. He who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth is earthly and speaks of the earth. He who comes from heaven is above all. And what he has seen and heard, what he testifies and no one, that that he testifies and no one receives his testimony. He who has received his testimony has certified that God is true. For he whom God has sent speaks the words of God. For God does not give the Spirit by measure. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. And he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. And we'll focus especially in light of the Lord's Day that we're looking at today on verse 30. He must increase, but I must decrease. We'll turn today to the explanation of the final words of the Lord's Prayer now. And if you have a book of praise, you can find that in Lord's Day 52, which is on page 563 of your book of praise. What is the sixth petition? And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. That is, in ourselves we are so weak that we cannot stand even for a moment. Moreover, our sworn enemies, the devil, the world, and our own flesh, do not cease to attack us. Will you, therefore, uphold and strengthen us by the power of your Holy Spirit, that in this spiritual war we may not go down to defeat, but always firmly resist our enemies until we finally obtain the complete victory. How do you conclude your prayer? For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. That is, all this we ask of you because as our king, having power over all things, you are both willing and able to give us all that is good. And because not we, but your holy name should so receive all glory forever. 
What does the word amen mean? Amen means it is true and certain. For God has much more certainly heard my prayer than I feel in my heart that I desire this of him. Congregation loved by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. How many of you want to be remembered after you are gone? We recognize that even at our most successful, most of us will likely just fade away into obscurity. You know your grandparents' names. Maybe you know your great-grandparents' names. But how many of you know the names beyond that? How many of you can tell of the lives of your ancestors even five generations back, six generations, seven? For some, that might be something that's troublesome. They fight and they strain their whole lives long to leave a mark on the earth for themselves. We can already see this through ancient history, the pharaohs who built great pyramids by which they could commemorate their great name in the earth. We read of empire builders like Alexander the Great or the Babylonian Empire under Xerxes or many other empires that have risen and fallen since then. Men desired to leave their mark on the world. But for the Christian, our Lord Jesus teaches us to say that it's okay if we ourselves do not leave a lasting name for ourselves on this earth. Jesus teaches us to say in this prayer, I submit myself to God. I work faithfully to the best of my ability and to his glory. And when I fade from the scene, I want my legacy not to be my glory, but to be able to say to God, yours be the kingdom, the power, and the glory. We confess, Lord, of myself, I can't even stand for a moment in a prayer. So in your strength, let the life that I live under you make your name great so that even if the coming generations don't know my name, that I may have played some role in your kingdom to your glory by your power. I may have said a word in due season by your spirit. I may have spoken with a brother or a sister in a time of repentance. I may have lifted up my children or grandchildren or great-grandchildren before your throne in prayer and by your grace played some small role that the descendants yet to come, although they do not know my name, may know yours. That through Jesus Christ, your Son, they may come to know the Father. This is my highest joy we are taught to pray by our Lord. Let us, by his grace, then be able to say together with John the Baptist, he must increase and I must decrease. 
And we'll see, first of all, I am not the Christ. Second, I must decrease. And third, he must increase. So there are a few barriers to this mindset, this mindset of humility before the Lord, this mindset of bringing his kingdom and power and glory to the forefront and acknowledging his reign as supreme. And the first is to recognize who the he is in he must increase and I must decrease. John the Baptist in our text today makes it very clear. He says, I am not the Christ. He is not the Savior of the world. He was never meant to be and he never will be. And as Christians, this is something we ourselves need to remember as well. We were never meant to be the Christ either. It's important to dwell on this thought. As elders and as deacons, as parents, grandparents, and great-grandparents, as teachers, as friends to those who are struggling, it's important to remember this, that he is the Christ and not we, because this is something that we so often forget. We can get into a frame of mind in which we get what you might call a savior complex, in which we feel like we ourselves need to be the salvation of the people who we see are so burdened all around us. And it weighs on our mind. It gives us sleepless nights, it gives us sorrow when we see people stumble in their walk with God. It grieves us deeply when people hurt each other. And it grieves us especially because we feel like we are the ones who need to fix it. There's a difficulty with this, though. Because this works while things are fixable until we run into the things in which to the best of our ability and to the greatest of our efforts and power, it doesn't work anymore. And when it doesn't and it seems like nothing has been fixed, we feel the weight of our own failures all the more as well. But that's because we've forgotten who is the Christ. And we have put ourselves on that pedestal of being the Savior. And so things continue to weigh heavily. And we have those restless nights and those sleepless nights. But his very name, his very name, Jesus Christ, which translated means anointed Savior. Christ means anointed. Jesus translated means Savior. By his very name, our Lord comforts us he comforts us that we ourselves are not meant to be the Savior, that we have a place in which we can turn over all of our cares. When we find ourselves in this position, we find ourselves carrying a load which we were never meant to carry because we are not the Savior of the world. He is. And when we try to bear the weight of the sins of the world ourselves, we carry a burden that we are not meant to bear. And this is a reminder that we all too often forget. 
And yet, in our Bible passage today, we are given this gift. He must increase, and I must decrease. He, the Christ, the one who bears our burdens, the one who bears the weight of the sins of his people, he must increase. As for me, I am not the Christ. These are freeing words. Words which lead us to say with the words of the Lord's Prayer, Yours is the power, not mine. Yours is the power. You are the Christ. And God, you are my Father. I'm not bearing the cares of the world in my own strength, and I don't need to. All this we ask of you because as our King, having power over all things, you are both willing and able to give us all that is good. I'm not bearing the cares of this world in my own strength. Rather, I point others to the ones who does. And this is what John does. John said, I have been sent before him. And with these words, he points the people around him to the Christ. He rejects the name of the Christ for himself. But he embraces the Christ as his Savior. With these words, he points the people around him to the Christ as their Savior. And he says, Christ he must increase. We today, we haven't been sent out before him to prepare the way like John the Baptist, but we have been sent out after him, sent out as his disciples, sent out from all nations to all nations. And it's our purpose to bear witness to him, his life, his death, why it was needed, our sins, his righteousness, his mercy and grace towards us, the salvation that he brought for whoever believes. Remember that when you feel you are bearing the weight of the world. Point your heart to the Savior and point those others as well to him. And rest in that. Commit them to him and Rest in that. Christ, he must increase and I must decrease. This is the second point of our passage. I must decrease. This is a second barrier that we have when it comes to turning things over to the Lord in this way. That second thing that we must acknowledge, I must decrease. This has got to be at the heart of the confession. Yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. It's not my kingdom. It's not my power. It's not my glory. It's God's. And I've got to acknowledge that and humble myself as I come to him in prayer. As I come to him with these final words of the Lord's prayer. 
Yet I've also got to acknowledge that this is something that does not come naturally to ourselves. There's something in the flesh that kicks back against decreasing. And the followers of John the Baptist experienced this. These followers in our passage today. They saw that Jesus was growing in popularity. And what's even worse, in their minds, was that Jesus only became well-known in the first place because John himself had pointed Jesus out. He who is with you beyond the Jordan, they said to John, he who was with you beyond the Jordan, to whom you have testified, behold, he is baptizing, and all are coming to him. To them, John was the main figure. He had been the one who had been drawing big crowds for a time. But John knew differently. He knew that to find true joy, the joy of the friend at the wedding feast, two things had to happen. Christ must increase, but he himself must also decrease. That mindset of the disciples of John is the one that we can often have as well. And it's one that we ourselves also need to set aside. That mindset of, sure, I want Christ to increase. And if I increase with him, that's okay. We can see this mindset in our own spiritual lives. My name, my reputation, my influence begins to grow in my Bible study, my small group, my clique in the church. I begin to have greater sway, and I like that. And suddenly you find yourself in the midst of this mindset, he must increase, and I also must increase. The devil doesn't mind that kind of reasoning. Why? Because your mind has been taken off in those moments. It's been taken off of yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory. And slowly started to swivel towards my kingdom and my glory. The thing is that focusing on yourself takes away from what John the Baptist speaks of here. John says... He who has the bride, namely Christ, and the bride being the church, is the bridegroom. But the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, the joy of mine is fulfilled. He is joyful because Christ is getting all of the attention. And the bride of Christ, this union between Christ and his church, Christ and his people, This is what brings true joy. But as you swivel away from that towards my kingdom and my glory, the thing that you are focusing on is yourself. And this becomes a joy sucker. There is no lasting joy or happiness that's found in the mindset of he must increase and I must increase. Jesus himself warned about what self-promotion does lead to in his parable about the banquet in Luke 14. When you are invited by anyone to a wedding feast, 
do not sit down in the best place, lest one more honorable than you be invited by him. And he who invited you come and say to you, give place to this man. And then you begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit down in the lowest place so that when he who invited you comes, he may say to you, friend, go higher. Then you will have glory in the presence of those who sit at the table with you. For whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. What's the reminder here? That when we focus on he must increase and I must increase, when we begin to glorify ourselves, something will always arise to humble us because we elevate ourselves to a place where we don't belong. When someone does something to crowd in then on my kingdom and on my rights and when someone limits my voice and my power, when someone draws attention to something that takes away from my glory, if I have elevated myself, then suddenly my joy in that position is taken away. My happiness falters when I run into a situation in which suddenly my voice is not heard because my focus was all on myself. My joy stumbles when my success in different areas of life is challenged. For John's disciples, they saw this. Their joy faltered when their success began to be challenged by the success of Christ's ministry. They were okay with Christ, as long as he didn't come at the cost of their own success. Back to verse 26, we see this coming out. He who was with you from beyond the Jordan, to whom you have testified, he's the one who's preaching. John's disciples said this. And in their minds, John had done Jesus a favor. And so by showing him the honor of testifying to him, of bearing witness to him, they felt that Jesus owed them an obligation. But John responds in verse 27, A man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. The honors that were now falling on Jesus in the midst of his ministry were not honors that John himself had given to him as the disciples of John seemed to be suggesting. The honors that fell on Jesus were being given to him by his Father. The Lord Jesus has no honors, no glory that does not belong to him. And so when he humbled himself, he willingly humbled himself for his people. Our Father exalted him to the heights of heaven, as was his right. John, however, recognized that he was not the Christ. He recognized and said that he must decrease, and that it was his highest honor to be able to be the herald to the Son of God, to proclaim his coming to make his name great. And this was what he explained to his disciples as well. When Christ was increasing, John's reason for joy was increasing as well. Again, verse 29, He who has the bride is the bridegroom. 
But the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is fulfilled. He must increase, but I must decrease. Our joy will grow as we take this same mindset into all of our walks with God, loved ones. And our Lord teaches us that this is especially the case with the Lord's Prayer. The prayer itself is a calling on God in a time of need. It's a confession that I can't do this on my own. Father, my kingdom is easily threatened by the opinions of others and by my own pride. And where my kingdom does rise, it comes at the cost of those who are around me. In fact, as our catechism points out, when the devil and the world don't attack me, my own flesh and pride will betray me. So help me to put my kingdom away. Father, my power is not enough. Our catechism emphasizes that as well. In ourselves, we are so weak that we cannot even stand for a moment. And if I am so weak, so easily betrayed, even by my very own self and my own pride, where is my glory then? No. If I am to glory, let me glory in the Lord. And so we pray not lifting ourselves up or speaking highly of ourselves and so falling into temptation, but confessing our own dependence and need. One Reformed commentator, Kevin DeYoung, writes, This very day we will face temptations to cave into peer pressure, temptations to follow that alluring link on the internet, temptations to badmouth our parents and others in authority over us, temptations to make shipwreck of the, shipwreck of the faith, how earnestly we ought to pray for protection against our thoughts, the world's lies, and the devil's strategies. There is no cruise control for Christianity. Each day is a fight. Daily we look for the Lord's mercy. And so we humble ourselves in prayer, loved ones. Decrease and pray earnestly and fervently to your Father in heaven that he may increase in our lives. His kingdom, his power, and his glory. And this brings us to our third point. He must increase. Yes, this is the purpose to humbling ourselves. Not just getting out of our own way, but there's a purpose to praying that God would help us even to deny our own flesh. Humbling ourselves is not the end goal. The end goal is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. He must increase. The Reformed commentator Kevin DeYoung continues this as he writes on this passage. The reason we pray with such vigor is for our own survival and for the glory of the Lord. I often think of what a disaster for the Lord's glory I could become. I don't think this with morbid fear, but with a healthy sense of my own sinfulness and my desperate need for God's daily grace. I want my life to make God look precious, powerful, and pure, not weak, duplicitous, and insignificant. 
This is where the conclusion to the Lord's Prayer is so helpful. The end of the Lord's Prayer reminds us that God is an all-powerful King, able to help us, an all-glorious King who deserves our praise forever. He is both able and willing, as our catechism says, to give us all that is good, and His holy name should so receive glory forever. And here's where the beautiful word, Amen, is such a comfort. Amen is a Hebrew word. It's got no easy one-word translation, so people from every tongue and tribe and nation around the world have just chosen to share that word with the Lord Jesus Christ who commanded us to pray it. We all say Amen, that Hebrew word, which means it is true and certain. It is true and certain that God's name will be glorified. When we pray, the way our catechism describes the promise that we have in this word, as we pray appropriately, as we pray as our Lord calls us to, the way that the catechism describes the promise that we have in this word is beautiful. You know how much you want God to be glorified in your life? The authors of our catechism write, God has much more certainly heard my prayer than I feel in my heart that I desire this of him. When we pray that we might apply ourselves to the glory of God, to him increasing and us decreasing, when we pray this wholeheartedly, earnestly, leaning on him, we can know that he does and he will answer that prayer even more than we ourselves want him to answer that prayer. He will. There's a psalm that speaks of this, Psalm 46. The song that we just sang as our opening song today. The pre-service song, Psalm 46, verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted on the earth. This is the beautiful promise that's found at the end of our Lord's Prayer in the word, Amen. Loved ones in Jesus Christ, we know how this story ends. We know that despite the attacks of the devil and the world and our own flesh, the Lord Jesus will be victorious. God's exaltation is a sure thing. It will happen. It is true and certain. And it has already begun now. During the last four years here in Owen Sound, I've been able to bear witness to this in small ways and in large. Our family has been able to see the self-sacrificial love of so many here. We've seen how you've gone above and beyond in so many different ways. How you've come alongside and grieved with those who have grieved You've rejoiced with those who have rejoiced. Many of you have walked alongside those who have repented and showed them the rich grace of Christ that is poured out on them through the communion of saints. 
We have seen acts of selflessness, acts of mercy, acts of kindness to a degree that we can say this was not man's work, but this was God's. In you, we have seen Christ's selflessness, Christ's mercy, Christ's kindness put on display at so many times and in so many ways. Very quietly, very humbly worked in the background, in good times and in bad, in turmoil and in peace, in joy and in sorrow, God's name was glorified. In a few months, my family and I will be gone, studying here for three months, and then beyond that, going down to the States for further studies, and then eventually beyond that to the South, to Australia, and then the mission field in Papua New Guinea. And we will fade from the scene, eventually fading from memory, except maybe as that young pastor that you had once so many years ago. I will decrease, you might say, fading into the background. But Christ will remain. Christ is still here. Continue to hold on to him. Glory in him. Through him, look to your Father for the strength that you need to provide, and he will, because he has and he does provide. And in him, you'll find your greatest joy, the joy of the bride of Christ at the wedding feast of the Lamb. That, in all things, is what you can take comfort in. Yes, with that word, amen, we are reminded again, we know how the story ends. We will decrease, and he will increase until his name and the knowledge of the Lord covers the world as the oceans cover the seas. Again, Psalm 46, verse 10, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. For his is the kingdom and the power and the glory. Amen.